All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Newt News Podcast. We've got a very special guest today, Josh Jacobs from Redbird Rants, and we'll be discussing how to fix the Cardinals. It's been a rough few weeks, and the cards finally look like they're getting back on the right track. If you're interested, some brand new Newt News merch has just dropped on the store. Link is in the description. It greatly helps and keeps this podcast running. And now on with the show. All right. Welcome to the show, Josh. Really excited to have you this week. Um, going to talk a lot about the Cardinals, unfortunately, uh, struggling a little bit. Um, not not great, but we're going to try to fix the Cardinals with, with a few uh, simple solutions, hopefully. Um, but before we start off with that, we're going to introduce um, you uh, first time as a guest on our show. Uh, so we have a couple of intro questions that we like to ask um, every guest that comes on. So um, just four quick hitters, your favorite all-time Cardinal player, your favorite current Cardinal player, uh, player that's not on the Cardinals, and then favorite team that's not the Cardinals to watch. Yeah, well, first, thanks, guys, for having me on. I'm excited for this, uh, even though it's not an exciting time in Cardinal baseball. Um, uh, all-time, if I was being chalked, I'd say Albert. Um, it's just hard not to love Pools and everything he is. And last season was just incredible. I, I just, it was, you can't write a better story than how it ended other than if they could have won it all. Um, but like my kind of off the cuff weird one, which is kind of getting trendy again because he was the bench coach last year, but I loved Skip Schumacher. He was my absolute favorite, especially when he was playing second base because that was my position growing up. So I was a big Skip Schumacher guy. Um, if I'm thinking current Cardinals, um, although I feel like he's on the outside looking in and probably doesn't have much of a future with them uh, past this season and maybe not even this deadline is Tyler O'Neill. Um, I was pretty high on him when they traded for him originally at the Mariners, and I still believe he has all the talent in him. I just don't know if it'll be realized as a Cardinal. So he'll probably be one of those that gets traded and then starts hitting 40 home runs a year for the A's or something, but that's how it goes. Um, if I'm thinking uh, non-Cardinal, it'd be Bryce Harper. Um, and whenever I think back to the free agency where he basically was signed for $25 million a year, which is like the 19th highest AAV in all baseball, and everyone just let him sit there all offseason. I'm like, how how did the Cardinals not get into that? So I love Bryce Harper. He's got that fire. He's a good player. And then uh love the Baltimore Orioles. That was kind of like my second favorite team growing up. Um, there's, if you remember Nick Markakis at all, my dad, uh, he like worked for my dad growing up when he was in high school. And so we had that like weird connection. And so love the Orioles. So it's really fun seeing them do really well right now. So those are my four quick hitters. Yeah. And it's funny you should say the Orioles because I'm actually wearing an Orioles shirt on right now too. Oh yeah. Um, they're my <laughs> second favorite team. Um, so I, yeah, I love the Orioles and this year they're been great too. Yeah, and the stadium's electric this year, too. It's like I've caught a little bit of their games, and it's just fun to watch. So they're going to be good for a long time. Yeah, I love the uh, the birdbath uh, section that they introduced. That's that's always hilarious. To see. Yeah. Um, but to start off for some questions, uh, so I was scrolling on Twitter the other day, and I noticed that you had an article out about um, some of the problems that the Cardinals are facing, and particularly the starting pitching problem. Um I love that you had your eyes on like Shane Bieber and Aaron Nola as potential like either trade candidates or free agent acquisitions. Um, but one name I didn't recognize in that article was uh, the Oryx Buffaloes pitcher named Yamamoto. Um, so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about him and what he could possibly bring to the table for the Cardinals. Yeah, so he would be a guy that I think 
they'd have to be very, very aggressive to go get them. Now, I don't think that's out. I think some people like to say that's out of their character when I would actually, I agree and disagree. If you look back at, I think it was the 2015 off season. Um, uh, so going into 2016, they were just barely outbid for David Price. They were going to make him one of the highest paid pitchers in all baseball. Um, and then they, they actually outbid the Cubs on an over $200 million deal on Jason Hayward and missed out on him as well. So if they like a player, they're not afraid to go after them. Um, now, they've made some mistakes in recent years, and there's some other dollars being thrown out right now that might make it difficult. So when it comes to Yamamoto, it's kind of a uh, – the, the tricky part is he's got a posting fee. So you'd have to pay a percentage of whatever contract you sign him to with a posting fee as well. Then you'd also have to give him probably upwards of $200 million to get him to come. Um, so you're competing with the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Padres, everyone. Now, what I think could play into the Cardinals' favor is if they make him number one priority this offseason and they go strong after him. You've got Shohei Otani out there. You've got Matt Chapman out there. You've got Aaron Nola out there. There's a lot of other big fish out there. So it's not like teams can't go after multiple at once. But if he's their end-all, be-all, and they're making strong offers on him, they might be able to get him as opposed to the teams that are going to be waiting out the Shohei market. What will probably happen, though, is Shohei will probably be the first domino to fall and everything else will go after. But I think I love what he brings to the table. If you're thinking of giving a $200-plus million deal out to a pitcher, you want to give it to a guy who's not going to be 25 till this August, so he's very young. All he's done is dominate. He's got a career 1.83 ERA. He's got nasty stuff. Uh, he would be the type of pitcher they need at the top of their rotation and it would only cost dollars. So yeah, it's a lot, but you're not trading prospects and you're not giving up draft compensation either. And you're getting a guy who's entering his prime, which is crazy to think with how good he's been rather than getting a guy who's 28, 29, 30. Um, so actually in, in a weird way, out of all the free agents, he feels the most like cardinally in sense. It's a smart move. He's young. You're not paying for a guy past his prime now do i think it's the most realistic probably not because it's hard to envision the dodgers or the yankees or the padres not being the team to pony up the most money um but again you've got they've got a salary flexibility already this year plus they have wainwright coming off the books jack montgomery the uh probably DeYoung. they've got a lot of money freeing up so if there was ever an offseason to really go after one big fish, I feel like this is the one. But I also kind of feel like I've been saying that the last like three offseasons and it hasn't happened. So that's the name I really like out of the bunch. Now, is it what I think they will do? Probably not, but it's also really early to tell. Yeah, so uh, Yamamoto was uh, the Japanese starter for for the World Baseball Classic Final. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, he, he was, was uh, he looked really, really good um, against the American lineup, um, of course, so many great names in that lineup, including two of our own. Uh, but yeah, I think that would be really exciting to see um, a pitcher like that come from Japan. Personally, I'm looking a little bit higher, looking at Shohei Otani, but um, I don't, I don't know if the Cardinals are necessarily going to be in that market. But we've talked a lot on the show about uh, that the Cardinals need an ace type this offseason. It doesn't really matter if we sign more Miles Michaelis types, more Montgomery types. We have that um, in spades here. We can call up Libertor to be something like that, but we really just need an ace. And the names that I've thrown out there for this offseason are just Aaron Nolan and Shohei Otani. So it's it's great to hear that there's another another guy that they could be in on that might not cost as much as those guys. Um, 
But do you yeah. think the Cardinals could be in play for for one of those big name starting pitchers, um, or would that be a little bit out of the price range? Uh, again, it's so early to tell. I th- there's a part of me that's going to wonder if they hit the off season and they look at the rotation and they say, okay, we've got Montgomery. Or sorry, we've got Mats. We've got Michaelis under contract, and then they have Libertor, McGreevy, Graceffo, all like knocking on the door. Zach Thompson just got sent down to be a starter. <laughs> I I. It would I would hate it with all my bones, but I could see them going. We like our options. We need to let them see them play, and they wait. They wait till the next uh, deadline to make a move. I, gosh, I I just think that's really dumb, and I think they've shot themselves in the foot. The last, like, if you look back to this past off season, there really wasn't a guy out there. Like, you can argue they should have went after a Verlander or Degrom or someone, but they've been hurt. Like, it doesn't actually impact their current rotation evolved would have been great um but it's really the last few off seasons before then when they're signing guys to they're signing guys who have the upside of a number three but are more likely a five like a mats or you go back a few years to a mike leak and that's where they keep finding themselves in these situations because they're banking on their young guys being the top end starters but then they don't pan out either so now they're investing significant money in middle of the rotation guys, and they don't really have enough space to let their young arms pitch. So they're not getting the opportunity either. It's just a mess. So if I were them, I think Aaron Nola actually would probably be the most realistic target in my head. I would love Shohei, like who wouldn't, but I just don't see them getting in that market. I think it's it's the Dodgers, the Padres, the Mariners, the Mets. Like I just don't really see them outbidding any of them. I hope I'm wrong. That'd be amazing. Uh, maybe the new connection makes a difference, but um, I think an Aaron Nola makes sense. And if the Guardians keep struggling, um, I think Bieber could be available this deadline, uh, but he's probably more likely available in the offseason if they want to capitalize on his value. They've got a good rotation. They have two top prospects in AAA that are ready to break the rotation too. So if I were actually putting money on like who are the most likely aces they could target, it would be an Aaron Nola or a Shane Bieber. Um, and then everyone else kind of falls beyond that. And then if I were actually betting on if they would get one or not, I would lean slightly they would because it just makes too much sense. But I don't feel like overly confident because of how they've operated the last few years. Yeah, I've had some discussions with yeah. some fans um, talking about like who are frustrated that the Cardinals didn't go after one of those aces this past offseason or last offseason. And I look at that and I just wonder – who could they really realistically have gone after? Like you mentioned DeGrom, he's been hurt. Verlander's been hurt. Scherzer's not been himself and he got suspended. The only names that I really see, or the only real name that I I see um, that I think the Cardinals would have really benefited from is Kevin Gossman. Um, And that's Mm -hmm. really still quite a bit of a, quite quite a bit of a big fish, like you said. And, I don't, I don't really know who we really could have gone after, but this offseason, it seems like there's a lot more options on the table. And if they don't go in on one of those starting pitchers, it's a huge mistake. Yeah, another one I think could have been interesting would have been Marcus Stroman last offseason. Like early on, he, there, he were, the Cardinals were linked heavily to him, but they weren't interested and they went after Steven Matz, which again, significant price difference. It's about 12, 13 million more a year for Stroman, but you pay for what you get. So if they had gone for Stroman, you probably have a top-of-the-rotation type guy right now. He's not a true ace, but he's pitching like one right now. But instead, they again settled for a guy that is a little bit cheaper, a little – well, not safer, but he doesn't have the high ceiling. Shouldn't have a low floor, but, I mean, if you're watching him this year, it's pretty low. 
Um, so yeah, they've been fishing in that market too often. Yeah. And I remember last year, like seeing Marcus Stroman tweet out like SDL here at com or something like that. And, and then all of a sudden he goes to our arch rivals, the Cubs. Yeah. That was definitely a shot in the heart there, but I think, you know, the Cardinals biggest problem in the most recent years is definitely the, the trades that we've seen, like, mm. you know, sending Sandy Alcantara away and Zach Gowan. And we all saw what Zach Gowan's done the past two seasons. He's been absolutely incredible. So hopefully, uh, we have a little more faith in our, our young, our young guys coming up. Personally, I think Tink Hens is looking great. Um, do you think he'll be up next year or in 2025? Uh, that's a good question. I would, it's, it'll depend on how his uh, progression goes this year. They've started to let him pitch more innings, which is a really good sign because last year he was two or three innings and then that's about it. He capped out at four. I think he threw five scoreless in his most recent start at Peoria. Um, and he hasn't allowed to run all season. He's had only like three starts, but still. Um, I think there's an outside chance he makes the rotation next year. It probably is more likely a midseason thing in 2024 when he makes his appearance, and it could be even like a maybe the rotation, maybe a bullpen arm for a little bit, and then 2025 is when he really gets his shot at the rotation. But a lot of that will just depend on if they keep progressing through the system, if he makes it to Springfield or Memphis, how is he pitching, and then can he go deep into games? Um, and do they worry about his durability? Because I think the last thing they want to do is ruin his arm. So, uh, but I agree with you. Tink Hens is the guy that has the ceiling. Um, a Cooper Jerpy, who's also in Peoria, looks really nice. Um, a Gordon Graceffo, uh, Libertor obviously has looked really great this year. So when, it re- when you really think about it, I don't, like, this year they're just kind of stuck with what they've got and they have to make trades if they want to make a difference. But if you look at next year's rotation, they have no reason to think they don't won't have rotation depth. They should have enough guys to fill out a rotation. And that gives me more confidence that they can go after a one or trade for a one because you can rely on a Libertor, Graceffo, McReevee, hence to fill out the rest of that rotation. And they're really cheap too, right? You're not paying them $10, $15 million dollars a year to be your five. You're paying them a million, 500000 to be your five. And so it helps with roster construction a lot. So now, if they want to make a move for a Bieber or someone, they're probably going to have to give up one of those guys, which then you get into the whole, are you going to give up the next Sandy or the next Zach Allen situation? Um, so it's always tricky from there. It's also worth noting that uh, Gallon and Alcantara weren't really top prospects in the Cardinal system. So yeah. do you think there's maybe a developmental issue there? Because we've had top prospects like Alex Reyes and Jack Flaherty who haven't really panned out to be what we'd hoped, like, we were banking on those guys to be what Sandy and Gallon have, have turned out to be, but it looks like um, it, the talent doesn't even come from necessarily the top prospects. Yeah. I, it's not my, that would be, it's hard for me to pin on if that's a developmental issue or not. Obviously there's been some stories recently about how the Cardinals develop their pitching and if their pitch to contact philosophy is outdated, which it sounds like they've acknowledged it was, and they're making differences mm-hmm. in that area. But like when you talk about a, an Alex Reyes or a Jack Flaherty or a Carl or even Carlos Martinez, like those are guys that feel like his careers got derailed because of injuries. And if they'd stayed healthy, stayed the course, like Jack's, uh, I think his velocity is now the 22nd percentile in all of baseball. And in his top, in 2019, when he was at his best, he was in the 65th percentile. So like his velocity's dropped a ton after all of his injuries. He would say he's got the art of pitching going. I don't, I don't know if the, throwing 89 randomly is the art of pitching or not. Um, 
Alex Reyes looked dominant when he first came up and then the shoulder injuries. Carlos Martinez was an all-star two times and then had shoulder injuries. So I think that I think it's a little bit of the Cardinals just got really unlucky where they banked on the top end prospects working out. And when they were healthy, they did. But then injuries kept coming and they fell apart. And then the guys they did give up on didn't get hurt and kept pitching. And maybe there's a little bit of organizational usage that played into that. But honestly, I would actually probably pin it more as like they just chose, they got really unlucky with the guys they chose. And then they also doubled down on their issues by not investing in higher end pitching. So there might be a developmental issue that points to like a Zach Allen or a Sandy. Um, but I would probably more, more point to like if those three guys, Reyes or Martinez or Flaherty, are healthy today, I don't know how – like we're probably all still sad there's no Sandy or Gallon, but you probably have three really good starters and you're not questioning it as much. But when those guys go down, then you're like, well, the two guys they gave away are the ones who are really good. Yeah, for sure. Um, we've definitely seen – a lot of frustration with with those two guys in particular. Zach Gallon had made some comments about him getting traded because he wasn't like showing up to certain winter camps or yeah. whatnot. And that's not really great to hear. Um, but uh, we had a couple of questions regarding um, the long term plan of certain like bullpen pieces. Like Hennessy Cabrera has been really good, um, and also uh, with Zach Thompson uh, being a starter. Uh, what are your thoughts on on some of that? Yeah, uh, they definitely really like what Cabrera's brought this year. He's really worked on a sweeper a lot, and so uh, that's been a huge pitch for him this year. His usage of it has gone way up. Um, obviously, his most recent outing when he went into the second inning, it, he kind of fell apart. But, I mean, for the most part, he's been really good this year, and I think the Cardinals see him as a, a guy for the next two to three years. They really want to see take high-leverage situations as the lefty out of the pen. Um, I ultimately think Zach Thompson probably falls back into that area too. Um, I think they just kind of want options for next year to see what happens. He's he's pitched pretty well in Memphis since he uh, transitioned to being back to a starter. I just, I mean, it's kind of weird to think that they have too many pitching prospects right now because of how the pitching looks right now. But like, once you throw Thompson, it makes we already talked about Tink, Persefo, Libby, McGreevy. That's, I mean, besides Tink, all four of those guys are in AAA right now and have an argument to be in the major league rotation. And then next year you have miles and Matt's under contract. So I think Thompson kind of feels like Trevor Rosenthal from a while ago, where like he was always and uh, even Jordan Hicks recently, where he enters spring training kind of has a shot, at the rotation doesn't make it ends up back in the bullpen. I kind of think they should just like, he's a really good lefty out of the bullpen. So why not just make him that, um, but I get with the issues of starting pitching, it's good to have some options going right now, especially if those injuries come up. So it really does seem like they're committed to the idea of um, letting him run it out of Memphis this year. If some injuries pile up um, in the rotation this year, he could come back in as a starter. Um, but it's probably more of spring next year. He'll get a run. Um, I would probably say he ends up back in the bullpen at some point. But it again, like a lot of these things, it'll depend on how um, he progresses throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, recently it seems like uh, Cabrera is having a resurgence to his 2021 numbers where, where he looks absolutely fantastic. So I yeah. uh, love to see him doing well. Um, in terms of other players that have kind of turned it around a little bit, Arnado, I mean, he, since May 3rd, he's been batting like he's on fire. Uh, he's batting 314 with a 940 OPS. 
Um, seems like he's being back to himself. And also uh, Kisner, it seems like he's really turned it around recently. So uh, what are your thoughts on how Kisner's changed his approach? Yeah, it's interesting because if you look back at his prospect profile, even when he was, I think he was as high as the number four prospect in the system at one point. Now that was when the system was kind of dry. So he wasn't necessarily a top prospect in baseball, but he was known as a bat first catcher, which is like weird to think about. Cause when you think about Kisner in the lineup, usually like he's a 150, 180 guy, like get that bat out of the lineup at all costs. And you think of him for his defense, but in reality, it was always flipped. So I, I do think there's an element of if he's playing often and he's getting looks and he gets to see live pitching that his bat will actually play to an extent. I think he's had a 760 OPS in his last 14 days, which is pretty darn good, especially for a catcher. Um, so I like it. it. It's it's encouraging. I was probably on the bandwagon of trying to see what Tre- Tres Berea or Ivan Herrera had coming into this year, but Kisner's really uh, shown some resilience this year. So um, it sounds like Wilson Contreras is going to start on Monday at catcher again. Um, so I don't know how much longer Kisner has as like a primary catcher. Um, but I do think he's shown the ability that now if it's a 60-40 split or a 70-30 split, you have confidence in the days that Kisner's playing. It'll just be interesting to see if his back cools off when he's not playing every day. Um, but I just... I don't know how much stock to put in it because you look at the beginning of the offseason and like the one thing you knew the Cardinals thought for sure was that Andrew Kisner was not an everyday catcher. Like they kept saying all the time, we need an everyday catcher. We need an everyday catcher, which means you don't trust Andrew Kisner to be an everyday catcher. And then now it's May. And as of a week ago, their plan was to make him the everyday catcher indefinitely. And then now they're back to like Wilson Contreras. So I don't know how much stock I would put in it being beyond just like a hot streak from Kisner, but I do think he's probably better than most people give him credit for. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think in your article, you mentioned the Wilson Contreras debacle that happened last week, which to me was just really frustrating. It didn't make any sense. I feel like Kisner's uh, pitchers have been giving up just as many runs as Contreras, and we've been losing just as much with Kisner behind the plate. Not like within the last week, but um, throughout the rest of the season. And it was pretty frustrating to see some of that. But um, what, what was your take on that whole situation and how like should the Cardinals approach their catching situation going forward? Yeah, I mean, I was just as dumbfounded. When I saw it, I was like, what? That didn't make any sense. And then they came out like, not only is he not catching, but now he's an outfielder and we don't have any plans for him to catch again. And then a day later, it's, oh, he's not an outfielder. He's at DH for however, for at least weeks. And then a week later, oh, he's going to catch again. Like, I don't really know what happened there outside of it sounds like from the moment they made the decision, which would have been probably late Friday night, early Saturday, that they're going to take uh, Wilson out of the catching um, area and let him be an outfielder DH till Sunday, Wilson and them must have had some conversations and they must have seen something in him where like, oh, okay, he really wants this. So we're gonna we're gonna go after it with him. And then honestly, I do kind of think they looked at the pitching this last week and are like, there's not really much of a difference with Kisner behind the plate versus Contreras. Um because it's like if you go back to like ground zero when the decision was first made, like there was no plans to bring back Contreras to catcher. It was this is our plan, and 
it could be at some point in the summer. It could be next year before he catches again. We don't like, that's not our plan. And it's changed in a week. And so I do think Contreras has shown them some stuff. Um, and I do think they've just looked at the performance on the field and been like, okay, there's not much of a difference here. Um, and I, I just, I think hopefully they acknowledge it doesn't just hurt the catcher position. It also had hurt the chances of a Brendan Donovan to be playing, a Juan Yepes to be playing. If they want to bring back Jordan Walker when Tyler O'Neill returns, like not having the DH spot to use for anyone else or making Contreras another outfielder just creates even more issues for the roster. So you committed it to him, you gave him 87 half million to be your catcher. You've got to roll with it. Um, and he's really not shown anything to make you think he can't do it. Like with or without him behind the plate, the pitching's been really bad. And so that is, I just don't know how you point to anything other than it's execution of the starting staff. So yeah, it was kind of like everyone else. What the heck is going on? Yeah, definitely. Um, there were like complete- yeah, and that's a good point. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the delay is bad, but um, that's a good point about the DH spot being open now. Uh, once Contreras starts to catch again, like there's there's guys that can fill that, like Yepes, and hopefully we'll see Walker before the end of the season. So hopefully um, we'll stick with Contreras for the rest of the season as catcher. Star catcher. Yeah, we were banking on Contreras to be the all-star catcher for this team. He's had no trouble really being a big league catcher in the past. It seemed really odd to just blame our, our newest player uh, for all the struggles of the pitching. He's not even a pitcher. So um, to me, that didn't really make much sense. Um, but yeah, um, any other comments on what the Cardinals could do to like with their with their outfield logjam because we, we brought we brought that up earlier. Uh, Jordan Walker got sent down. Uh, yep, as isn't getting a lot of playing time, and Donovan seems to have shifted to like mostly an outfielder with uh, the resurgence of DeYoung. So, what are some moves that you would consider making if you were in charge of uh, the Cardinals right now? Yeah, I think they're um, with the current roster right now because Tyler O'Neill's out, and you don't have plans to bring up Jordan Walker. I would make Brendan Donovan the everyday left fielder. Um, and I would keep him out there. He's clearly their best third option defensively out there right now behind Carlson and Newt Bar. And so having Yepes out there just doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. He's not, he's not like the worst left fielder of all time, but he's also not, he's not average. He's definitely a very below average left fielder. And so if you have Wilson catching, which I think is the first issue here, then you can move a Yepes or a Gorman back to DH, and then you could put, or mostly Yepes, and then you could put uh, Donovan in left field. And you let Nolan Gorman run with second base. Um, I see the argument for him not playing against lefties still because historically in the minors he's been bad. But Dion's been just as bad, if not worse, against left handed pitching in his career. I think he's batting about 200 against left handers in his career. So I don't really see the argument for him starting against left-handed hers. So I would have Dion starting against righties and Edmund sitting and then flipping with Edmund against lefties and Dion sitting. Um, Gorman playing every day at second and then Edmund can play second some as well. Um, Donovan in left field. Now when Tyler O'Neill comes back, I think that throws a wrench in some things because I personally, not just because I really like him, I think if he comes back, you got to give him one more run. And if it's not working, then you cut bait and it's like, we're not, you're not going to get anything for him. Um, it's just you're cutting your losses at that point, but you can't afford to keep running him out there if he's not doing anything. 
Um, but the upside is just there's too much upside with him. I would much rather see what he's got in left field, have Nolan Gorman go back to DH and Yepes on the bench than just giving up on O'Neill already. Um, so when O'Neill comes back, I would do that. And then honestly, I don't really get the point of having Alec Burleson on the bench right now. Um, he's barely played. So I would actually demote him and I would let Luke and Baker come up. Uh, Lucan is an older prospect for the Cardinals, so he's not someone that they have to really worry about not playing enough. Um, and he leads all of uh, minor league baseball and home runs right now. So that's an elite option off the bench. You don't have to, or hopefully an elite o- option off the bench that you don't have to worry about playing all the time. And if he doesn't do anything, then okay, that's fine. You found out what you had in him, but Alec Burleson is getting everyday at-bats. And then once some injuries pop up or if they cut bait on Tyler or if they decide they're not going to run with Yepes anymore, um, once Walker has his stuff put together, I would insert him back into the everyday lineup up there. I, um, unlike the Contreras thing, I don't think it's worth undoing that move. I think if you're going to send Walker to AAA, you let him work his uh, swing out, which it seems like he's getting more loft right now and he's hitting more line drives and fly balls, which is going to be great for him long term. And when they feel like he's ready, then you bring him back up and you don't look back again. You don't, you don't send him back to Memphis to work on random stuff anymore. You let him run. Um, but those are some changes that I make to the lineup. It's a lot of tweaks here and there. I think Marmol's done better recently, but I really do think right now when you have Contreras at DH, that really ties your hands pretty much everywhere else. So once he gets back in that catcher role, I think it opens up their flexibility again. Yeah, I've always been a big supporter of Marmol. I like the passion that he brings to the games when he like yells at the umpires. He has made a couple of questionable decisions recently. Um, I didn't actually know that DeYoung wasn't hitting well against lefties because when he came when he came back, I think it was said that he was going to start mostly against lefties because um, he was like a righty. And I think Marmol focuses on the lefty righty like matchups a little bit too much. Um, Gorman not playing against lefties and Newbar moving all the way down to like eighth, seventh or eighth in the lineup. I, I looked at his splits against lefties the other day and he's, he hits just as well against lefties, if not better. So I don't really know what, what that was, what, what the decision there was. Um, I know Tommy Edmond really rakes against lefties and I wouldn't mind having him hit, uh, hitting leadoff, but newbar has got to be up at the top of that lineup as well against lefties, but he's, he's being slotted down at, like all the way down to the bottom, which doesn't really make sense to me. I mean, maybe his philosophy is like you have the second leadoff man hitting hitting ninth, but right now we have Kisner hitting ninth, so I don't really know what the play there is exactly. either. So um, I don't know. Do you think? Do you think uh, like a lot of fans that the Cardinals need a leadership change? I, I've been a big supporter for him, although. Yeah. No, I I don't. Um, again, I think it'll. You go back to and it's like at some point i don't know what he's supposed to do about the starting pitching like <clears throat> if your guys can't go more than four or five innings then it burns your bullpen and then you only have three or four guys available and so you're trying to balance how do you play the matchups well enough like like last night i thought the decision to leave cabrera in for the second inning was it just didn't make sense and then after the very first batter of the inning you could tell he didn't have it anymore so i'm like you've got healthy warming up why where is he um so I think there's a little bit of that, or like you said, the like new bar batting eighth right now just doesn't, I don't get the point of it because he's, I think his OPS is 900 against lefties and it's not a small sample size. Um, he's got the highest on base percentage in all baseball right now. Like if he was batting ninth and you have Wilson at catcher and you've got that really long lineup, I get the like second leadoff thing, 
Um, but Edmonds kind of been struggling a little bit recently, so I don't know if it really makes sense to have him batting at the very top of the lineup. Um, but if even if he did, I would rather have it be Edmund and then Newt batting second with Goldie, Arnado, Contreras following rather than putting one of your best hitters at the eighth spot just because there's a left-handed pitcher on the mound. That just it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, or like to your point about the Dion part of it, like it was said that he was going to play against lefties when he came up, but he doesn't he doesn't or he has reverse splits. He's better against the right-handers than he is uh, left. So that didn't really make a lot of sense. So. I think every manager you can nitpick things about them where it's like, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Um, but in general, I think Marmol does a good job with this team. Um, and if the starting pitching just wasn't, the talent wasn't so bad, I don't think this team is in the spot it's in. And if you look even at the lineup this year, like if your pitching is going to be this bad, you need your hitters to hit well. And Arnado until last week and a half or so, he's been really bad to start the year. Um, and then you look up and down the roster, almost every player is underperforming what you'd expect of them um, outside of um, Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan, or Nolan Gorman this year. And so, and not by a lot on all of them, but you just kind of expected more from all of them. And you can maybe make the argument that a, a different leader gets more out of them. But I also kind of wonder, like you show up to the ballpark each day and you kind of know you have to put six runs on the board to win. I think that's just a hard mentality to play with. And so, it does seem like things are turning around for them right now. Um, but I, I just, I think Marmol did a great job last year. I think he's been tough help or dealt a tough hand this year. So I would, I would ride a ship with him longer. Um, there's, there is a little bit of historical precedent for changing your uh, manager midseason and it making a difference. But for the most part, it's actually teams that stick with their manager that end up having things turn around. If you look at like the 2019 Washington nationals, the, uh, 2021 Atlanta Braves, um, some other examples like that. Like there's teams that have started off the season really bad, turned it around, kept their manager. So I would stick with Marmol. Um, I also don't think like a Dusty Blake is actually all that at fault either. I don't really know how he, how he has changed the pitching at all. I think again, it's just really bad pitching. Um, so I think we overreact to stuff like that more often than not. But if the season continues like that and he gets in the year and they only won 78 games or whatever, I someone's got to change. So whether that's the front office or a manager, something will have to happen. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, I'd ride the ship out with Marmol. One yeah. interesting thing I might change, though, um, is I don't, I don't know how likely it is, but I'd bring Yachty back in some capacity. Um, <laughs> whatever he wants, just, just give it to him. Because, like, any pitching coach, I feel like, yeah, that's great. Like you need a coach that knows how to pitch and like the mechanics of that. But if he was like an assistant pitching coach or something and he could go out to the mound when a pitcher's struggling and calm him down, like I think we really underappreciated that over the last couple of years. He could help Marmol a little bit, tell him like, hey, this guy's not not doing too well. Maybe it's time to, to pull him. And I think he could make those decisions really well. Especially helping the pitchers, and especially with Contreras, like he could with the pitch calm now, he can relay signs back and forth with Contreras and basically call the pitches from the dugout. So um, I don't know. It I I don't think he wants to be back with the team just yet, but it would be really great to have him back on. Yeah, I would love it, but I think there's a couple things. One, I don't know if you if he would come back for anything other than being the manager. Like I just think he's he's kind of carving that path out for himself, the world baseball classic and Venezuela. Like he clearly wants that for right now. 
Um, I also think on the Cardinals end, like say they bring in Yachty and things go really poorly. That is going to be the messiest breakup there's ever been. Like I just, that would just be really difficult to have to fire him or call him out on things or let him go. I just think you're probably playing with a lot of fire right there where it could go really well, but it also could blow up. And so I think there's a probably at least some distance they need for a while before they would bring him back to the dugout. Um, and then even then, I don't know if he would be the best fit just because of the risk you kind of run with potentially severing the relationship long-term with him. Because there's, I mean, barely any managers make it past five or six years with a team. And so I just don't know if Yadi would take it very well if they have a poor season and they let him go. I don't know. But I, I love the idea of it. And if he was willing to be in the dugout right now, I'd sign off on it. Yeah. And I think a big difference between like this year and last year was probably Skip Schumacher, too, being that veteran guy who's been on the team for a while, being the bench coach. Um, and I think we were really missing him this year. Um, and I, it's kind of a shame that Matt Holiday didn't end up being that guy for us this year. Like it seemed like he was, he was going to be, but then his family convinced him otherwise. But um, yeah, I think we just we just need a, a veteran guy to come back for us and help lead the team forward um, on, on the as a coach. But love to see if it ends up if it ends up being Yachty. Yeah, because I uh, Joe McEwing is he's a good coach and he's been around the league for a while. So like he does bring a veteran presence. It's just like to your point, I don't know if it's the type of veteran presence they need. They, the players in the clubhouse really seem to respond to former players from Cardinals, which I, I think Joe might have been a Cardinal at one point, if I remember right. So, like, there is that, but I think there was some kind of vibe with the holidays of the world, the Skip Schumachers of the world, having Yachty and Pujols in the bench last year. Like, recent former Cardinals seem to do well with that. So, uh, yeah, I, I do kind of wonder if Skip was still the bench coach or if Matt Holiday had been able to. Um, actually be that this year if things would be much different um, so yeah that's kind of like a who knows what would have happened but it would be really nice if they could have that yeah Skip's done a, a pretty good job in Miami it looks like I think there are only two games under 500 which is uh, I think better than most people expected and they might be in the playoff hunt for a little bit um, that that team has been pretty exciting Luis Arise has brought a little bit of a spark to that team. And it seems like Skip's doing a really good job managing. I think they, they broke the record for the most one-run wins or consecutively to start the season, which is pretty pretty exciting mm. for them. So, yeah, good to see that. Yeah. Happy for Skip on that one. Yeah. I think I saw Jazz Chisholm ran into a wall today. So, hopefully, hopefully he ends up being okay, yeah. but they had to cart him off. So, that that would be, that would be really tough for their playoff chances, but – yeah, Jazz Chisholm moving to center field was a little bit of a, a head scratcher, but I think he's been he's been okay there. Not not too yeah. bad. All right. Any last questions, Gravy, before we before we sign off? Um, I think that's everything I had for today. Yeah. Let's see. Yep. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of New News, Josh. It's been great having you on, talk Cardinals baseball with us. Um, yeah, come come back on anytime you like. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun to talk with you guys, and I've been uh, listening lately to the pod, so keep up the good work, and 
anytime you guys want me, let me know. I'll try to make it work out. But otherwise, I'm over at Redbird Rants and on Twitter and all that stuff. So love engaging with all you guys on everything. So keep up the good work. Thanks to everyone for tuning into this special episode of Newt News. Be sure to follow Josh Jacobs on Twitter and check out his articles with Redbird Rants. Have a great day and thank you for listening.